You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight on Vancouver Island, where an out-of-control wildfire continues to gain ground, leaving firefighters concerned about hot, dry weather in the forecast. The fire's in steep terrain. The crews are being challenged by rolling debris and danger trees. The Cameron Bluffs wildfire is about 20 kilometers east of Port Alberni and just four kilometers east of Cathedral Grove, where there are Douglas firs more than 800 years old. BC Wildfire Service says the grove is not currently at risk, but it remains a deep concern for residents. The fire has grown since yesterday and is suspected to be human-caused. The Cameron Bluffs wildfire has cut off the safest way for some communities to access the rest of Vancouver Island. Some are tourists stuck in Tofino or Euclulet, but others are residents now cut off from gas and supplies. A detour was made available today, but as Kylie Stanton reports, it's far from ideal. As helicopters attempt to make some progress on this fire, now 140 hectares in size, everything around it is grinding to a halt. They just stopped the traffic from going through. A little disappointed, yeah, very disappointed. On Tuesday, the Cameron Bluffs wildfire forced the closure of Highway 4, the main road connecting Port Alberni, Tofino and Euclulet to the rest of Vancouver Island. Wednesday, the Ministry of Transportation announced a detour was in place, rerouting traffic along a narrow, winding gravel road, extending the trip by at least four hours. But it wasn't long before that road was compromised as well. The Port Alberti Fire Department reporting it was responding to a rollover incident. This is exactly why uh, only absolutely essential travel should be undertaken in a good vehicle that can uh, handle uh, a, a road that's basically essentially a, an industrial road. The impact this is having on the supply chain has been swift. Port Alberni Marine Fuels warning its customers with no fuel trucks getting through, rationing was in effect. The owner writing, I can honestly say I never thought I'd have to do something like this, fearing the next step is a temporary closure. We're hoping it doesn't come to that. It's the wrong time of year for that sort of thing to happen. Um, but this is out of all our controls. For some, it's business. Others, personal. Taylor Roger and his fiance are expecting 70 guests at their wedding in Port Alberni this Friday. All the planning and excitement now hanging in the balance. It's a mess right now, and we generally don't know what we're going to do. In both Tofino and Euclulet, work is being done to accommodate visitors now left waiting things out. We're running about 70% occupancy right now. There's lots of space. Uh, the businesses are, are certainly getting it out there that, uh, that nobody's going to be stranded in Tofino without a place to stay. Black Rock Resort was really great. They said, sure, stay in your room, not a problem. And so that eases a lot of uh, the concern. At this point, there's no definitive timeline on when Highway 4 will reopen. That all depends on how quickly firefighters gain control here, battling not only the blaze, but increasingly hot and dry conditions. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Well, where there is fire, there is, of course, smoke, even far from the flames, a reality British Columbians are unfortunately getting used to. Smoke has started to creep into Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, prompting an advisory for some areas. But it's still not nearly as bad as parts of eastern Canada and the U.S. Kristen Robinson now with the risks and the precautions. 
From the North Shore to Abbotsford, the smoke from two out-of-control wildfires near Harrison Lake is creeping in. This was 6.30 a.m. from the air over Metro Vancouver. By afternoon, conditions worsened and an air quality advisory was issued for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. We saw some explosive fire growth from one of the fires yesterday afternoon. And early this morning, smoke was pooling in valley bottoms and started impacting fine particulate matter levels in Mission and Abbotsford. Smoke from Canadian wildfires invading the eastern U.S. New York City had the worst air quality in the world Wednesday, according to IQ Air. Times Square, eerily apocalyptic, while the National Weather Service shared this time-lapse of wildfire smoke consuming the World Trade Center and city skyline. If I was concerned about anything, my son lives in Salt Spring Island in British Columbia. I'm more worried about him. Our wildfire smoke also blanketing the U.S. Capitol and beyond. The fact that it's down here in Raleigh, North Carolina is kind of crazy. We've been there. On September 12, 2020, Vancouver had the worst air quality in the world due to a smoky wildfire haze. We breathe 12 times to 20 times a minute. And so every time we inhale polluted air from wildfire, all those bad constituents, including carcinogens, end up in our lungs. Pregnant people breathing at a faster and deeper rate are the most vulnerable to poor air quality and its long-term effects. These small particles can end up in the lungs for weeks, months, sometimes years, and create inflammation, which can cause havoc in the airways, leading to things like asthma, COPD, and in some cases, even heart attacks and strokes. Those most at risk, including seniors and young children, should stay indoors when possible, get a good air filter, and limit their time outside with no outdoor exercise. In 2009, we had an earlier uh, advisory issued due to forest fires at the time, but we certainly are seeing with the changing climate, you know, these earlier, longer seasons. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on those air quality concerns. Christy. Sophie, I thought I'd start off with a look at the satellite image. Now, across Vancouver Island, even though we have air quality advisory in place for all of the inland sections, it really is just in and around the fire itself along Highway 4, whereas the lower mainland, it's much more widespread across the lower mainland. And we're seeing a strong northwest flow, but at upper levels, and it's lower levels that that smoke is really trapped down below. We're not expecting much of a change in this until Friday. So tomorrow, you can expect hazy conditions once again. In terms of the air quality, health index, it seems to be fluctuating across the lower mainland, anywhere from a moderate to a high risk. It looks like a high risk right now in West uh, Fraser Valley, but I actually just looked at an update and it has switched to Metro Vancouver region. So that will be the case over the next 24 hours until Friday. We'll start to see a bit of relief with a bit, with a bit of rain. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Christy. Well, we have been reporting for weeks on the growing crisis at Surrey Memorial. Today, BC's health minister announced a long list of measures to try to ease the pressure on the hospital. As Grace Key reports, the list includes short-term measures and an eventual expansion of Surrey Memorial. Plans are in the works to expand Surrey Memorial Hospital. There will be more inpatient and outpatient care, surgeries and clinical programs. This is in addition to the new hospital being built in Cloverdale. Surrey needs a second hospital and it needs a stronger Surrey Memorial Hospital. And the two are linked, right? Because um, Surrey Memorial Hospital takes everything 
which sometimes negatively affects its ability to expand for specialization. So the new hospital will be critical to that. There is an extensive list of actions to improve health care for access to Surrey residents. The short term includes immediate triage for elderly and mental health patients with home health and community services, and increased funding for beds and staff in the neonatal intensive care unit. Some medium-term actions include increase renal services and add two new cardiac cath lab suites, both within 18 months, a new MRI and CT scanner, and expand critical health care services such as home health. We know that the answers that are often felt in the emergency room are really an expression of the need for more community care, the need for long-term care, and better primary care. On all these initiatives, the investments are, have been, and will be massive in Surrey. The announcement comes after doctors started raising the alarm, saying patient care was compromised due to a lack of resources. In the past few days, the health minister and Fraser Health have been having face-to-face -face meetings with hospital staff. We know when it comes to health care, it's not just what happens inside the health system that actually makes a difference when it comes to patient care provider experience. It's what's outside of our healthcare system in terms of hospital. ER doctors spoke out saying patients could wait up to 72 hours before getting proper care due to a lack of hospitalists, doctors who admit patients to the wards. Some doctors had suggested that the hospitalists were sort of poached and going into the primary care sector, which was much needed as well. And that simply uh, drew the problem from one sector to another. With respect to the, our, um, the work we did with the doctors at BC to reform primary care, I haven't heard a single person here in the days that I've met with people here say that isn't a great thing for BC. More details about Surrey Memorial Hospital expansion will be coming in the fall. Grace Key, Global News. All right, well, let's bring in Keith Baldry with more on this. Keith, you have some data about population growth and what it potentially means uh, to the future health care needs. Yeah, the numbers associated with population growth are quite impressive and big, and they have big implications for places like Surrey and the Fraser Health Authority. A heck of a lot more people are moving in, and that means more pressure on the healthcare system. Here's the projection of uh, population increases until 2038. You see on the left there, that's the province uh, increase 27%. 71% of those are over the age of 64. But that number gets higher when you look at Fraser Health, 38%, 95% increase in those age over 64. Surrey has the biggest population growth of all, 42% between 2018 and 2038. It's going to be the, by far the most populated municipality in BC, overtaking Vancouver. 76% of those are over the age of 64. Those are the people who need health care the most. That's why expansion of health care is so vital in Surrey. Adrian Dix, the minister, making that point today. Surrey gains about 100,000 people a decade. And that it has done for decades unto decade, unto decade, and will gain 1,000, 100,000 in the decade, if you look at the period from 2018 to 2028, and the period from 2028 to 2038. What's changed now, and what is changing now, and what was going to change in the next 20 years, is not just the quantity or the growth as Surrey becomes the number one uh, city in terms of population size in BC, but qualitatively, the population that lives here is going to get older. And as it gets older, there's going to be more cancer cases uh, discovered. And that's why the new cancer center is going to be built in Surrey and why it's so imperative it gets built quickly. The number of cancer cases is going to increase significantly in the Fraser Health region, particularly in Surrey in the years ahead.
We'll see if the uh, measures that are being taken will even keep up with that growth. All right, thanks All right. for that, Keith. Well, the crisis at Surrey Memorial is another sign of staff shortages showing up at major hospitals in B.C. And an emergency room physician says patients are suffering as a result. As Richard Zussman reports, whatever slack used to exist in health care has now vanished. Urgent, urgent, urgent. They arrive daily. Crisis ED coverage. Emails in Dr. Anthony Fong's inbox asking him to fill in at emergency rooms across BC. What I've noticed that has been new has been the shift of the need to not only encompass rural sites, but now it's starting to involve the small urban sites as well as even the urban sites. Staffing shortages at rural hospitals are not new, but historically the urban hospitals have been able to triage the issue locally. Not anymore. I think things in general are going to get worse before they get better, um, perhaps regardless of what we do. All compounded by frontline burnout, staffing shortages, and now summer holidays, with doctors and nurses carrying a heavy burden when they say no to helping out. Think of an emergency room physician or family physician showed up in any hospital across this province right now and said, can I pick up a shift or two or the weekend? Nobody would be turned away. Health Minister Adrian Dix acknowledges emergency room doctors face additional challenges considering they in essence need to troubleshoot all of the problems in the hospital system, including a lack of beds and long-term care. And Dix is committed, he says, to solving those problems. All of the problems of the healthcare system end up for them in the emergency room and they're dealing with those problems. And they're obviously doing exceptional work here and everywhere else. There was some relief in sight. Starting July 1st, the latest round of resident doctors will be on the job. We hope for some enthusiasm for some young, you know, relatively newly trained physician is just excited to pick up extra shifts, is excited to be there. These new doctors, the difference for Dr. Fong between you've got mail and you've got help. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, the return of the rate hike. It's definitely impacting um, more uh, than people think. Borrowing costs creep up again. Why analysts say this may not be the end. Next on the News Hour. Strange sight in the San Juan Islands. What happened during this encounter between an orca and a deer? Plus, BC Ferries poised to make some multi million dollar upgrades to several terminals. How that could affect passengers. Those stories still to come tonight. Right now, though, bad news for borrowers. The Bank of Canada has hiked its benchmark interest rate another quarter percent. It's the central bank's response to continuing inflation above the 2% target. But the higher rates are going to have an impact on Canadian families already struggling to make ends meet. Aaron MacArthur reports. For months, every trip to the pump or to the grocery store. Just a reminder of how much more things cost. Canadians squeezed by rising inflation, and as a result, rising interest rates. The Bank of Canada Wednesday ratcheted up rates again. Faced with persistent inflation, which grew by a tenth of a percent last month, the bank boosted its policy lending rate by 25 basis points, which now sits at 4.75%, the highest it's been in more than two decades. 
you have a labor market that still has a lot of vacancies, whether there's people aren't, aren't able to fill, fill positions in terms of businesses. So it's putting some upward pressure on wages, even at this point. So um, these are the variables that are essentially feeding into this, um, this trend. After eight consecutive rate hikes, the bank took a pause in March, much to the relief of consumers. That pause is now over. Central Bank Governor Tiff Macklem believes the current rate is not sufficient to bring inflation down below its target of 2%. There are a lot of Canadians who are anxious right now and who will be concerned when they see this step taken by the Bank of Canada. While the rate increase this month is modest, its cumulative effect has forced people to dip into any savings they may have had or into lines of credit trying to make ends meet. Mortgage holders who are faced with renewal this summer will see payments that are thousands of dollars more per month. Mortgage brokers say it's hitting low and middle income earners the hardest. You know, their mortgage payments from 2500 is now 3500 or almost $4,000. Um, so it's definitely stressing out a lot of my clients. The increase Wednesday may not be a one-off. The bank signaling it is willing to move higher if inflation remains persistent. Canadians bracing for more economic pain. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, what was supposed to be a good news announcement of new rental apartments this morning in Vancouver was hijacked by tenants' rights activists. Hands off our Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you for your document. Members of the Vancouver Tenants Union interrupting Housing Minister Ravi Kalan. The minister was there to announce 258 new rental units on the site of the former Denny's on Broadway. 50 of the units will be rented at below market rates, but the housing activists stepped up to lament the destruction of affordable homes across Vancouver. We haven't had any provincial governments that cares about renters or protecting them uh, in these ways. They're left to municipalities and what municipalities decide renters should and shouldn't have. And the municipalities, especially here in Vancouver, don't even enforce their own protections. Anytime an activist wants to get a chance to share their perspective, we're open to that. We're open to, to feedback. I would say that they, uh, they highlighted that they heard from 300 people. I hear from thousands of people who are looking for housing that can't find it. The province is providing $164 million in low-interest loans to the project. The 28-story tower is due for completion in 2025. Coming up, an increasingly popular work perk. I just think it'll just make me a happier employee in the long run. The BC City rolling out a four-day work week. Plus, parents push for more services for their special needs children. Traffic is steady both ways tonight across the Portman Bridge. No delay through Coquitlam and Surrey, but watch out for road work later on through the Langley stretch of Highway 1. But today's Lotto 649 Gold Ball jackpot is $38 million, plus a classic $5 million jackpot, two jackpots on every draw. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. BC Ferries is hoping to get approval for a multi-million dollar upgrade at five terminals. Over four years, the corporation wants to reduce ticketing and check-in times at Duke Point, Tawasson, Horseshoe Bay, Departure Bay and Swartz Bay. It's also looking to create a contactless journey for foot passengers. 
The BC Ferries Commissioner will now review the application and respond within two months. If approved, foot passengers and Tawasson, foot passengers rather at Tawasson and drivers with reservations at Duke Point will be the first to see improvements beginning in fall of 2024. A group of parents is pressuring the city of Surrey to increase programs for special needs children. As Janet Brown reports, they say the difference between the number of programs for typical children and for special needs children is shocking. Do you want to do the book or do you want to do the bus? Which would you prefer? Jennifer Newby is a homeschooling mother of two boys, 9 and 12, who have autism. She says along with roughly 7,500 other special and complex needs children across Surrey have very limited opportunities for adapted recreational activities. I think they should have every opportunity that a typically developing child should have. You know, I, yes, they might need accommodations, they might need stuff shifted a little here or there, but they are so smart and they have so much to offer the world if they're opportunities to thrive and right now they're not. Surrey Councillor Linda Annis agrees changes need to be made. Well staffing issue is just one part of it and we certainly need to be looking at innovative ways to attract more staff but we also need to look at the physical layouts of our building to make sure that they're totally accessible for all types of disabilities. Newby says if staffing at rec centres is the issue, the city should hire education assistants from the school district who are off in the summer to help fill the jobs. I think they would be thrilled to have the work um, and I, we need them. Surrey's general manager of Parks, Recreation and Culture, Lori Cavan, was not available to do an interview with us, issuing a statement instead saying, like many communities in B.C., Surrey is experiencing staffing challenges, we are continually working to hire more qualified aquatic staff, and we also welcome individuals with disabilities to bring their own support person. Mom Jennifer says most importantly, she would like her children to learn how to swim. With my kids now being completely fearless of the water and not knowing how to swim, this is a huge terrifying factor. There's something for everyone in Patagonia. Picturesque peaks, groovy glaciers. Nubia is hoping the city will be able to make changes soon rather than later. Janet Brown, Global News. It's a movement that's been growing in popularity. A four-day work week, the significant change in the work schedule, helping many companies attract new employees and employees find better work-life balance. Now one municipality in the Okanagan is giving it a trial run. After 15 years of working in the finance department at City Hall in Summerland, Emma Hartwick, along with nearly two dozen of her colleagues, is about to have an extra day off every week. I think it's, it's a great thing that the district is offering this to its employees. Starting July 2nd, the district of Summerland will test out a four-day work week, closing City Hall every Monday. I think having that one extra day on that Monday for myself and for my family is going to make a huge difference. Okay. The District of Summerland is the first municipal government in the Okanagan to pilot a four-day work week. It's exciting to be on the leading edge, bleeding edge as it is sometimes obviously, not um, always having all the answers but trying to figure our way through this. Saying feedback from residents was the big catalyst for the trial run. We have heard of a theme that is it'd be great if we could get those doors open earlier and keep them open later. It means City Hall will only be open four days a week, Tuesday through Friday, but with extended hours during those days, opening earlier at 8.15 and closing later at 5 p.m. instead of 4. And while City Hall will be closed to the public on Mondays, many services
services will continue as per normal. Bylaw services will still run seven days a week. Uh, development uh, services staff that are involved in building inspections will still be doing that five days a week so we can work with our contracting community. The district's chief administrative officer hoping the four-day work week helps attract and retain workers in what is a very competitive labor market these days. We often can't pay the same as the private sector and small cities like ourselves we can't afford the big wages like some of the larger cities in the area can so uh, we have the unfortunate experience of losing really high-quality staff sometimes and having that turnover. The pilot will run for 18 months and will be assessed then to determine whether to scrap or continue it. For now, employees like Hartwick prepared to work longer hours each day for a three-day weekend for at least the next year and a half. I just think it'll just make me a happier employee in the long run. Coming up, a new approach to health care. Feeling heard, feeling validated, listened to, their symptoms are no longer minimized. The Vancouver Clinic welcoming patients to come as you are. Also ahead, a senior assaulted in a Coquitlam Park. The disturbing details next. BC's big news. The 2023 Canadian Screen Awards have named Global News Hour at 6 the country's best local newscast. Thank you, BC, for making Global News Hour at 6 your choice for news. Good evening, and no delays either way over at the Patello Bridge, but there is some ongoing road work later tonight affecting northbound traffic until about 10 p.m. Be wildfire ready and report all signs of a wildfire. Use the BC Wildfire Service app or call star 5555 from your cell. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Coquitlam RCMP are investigating an unprovoked attack that's left a senior with serious injuries. Krista Dow is live with more on what happened. And this was an 85-year-old attacked in the park, Krista. Yeah, Sophie, it happened right here in Pioneer Park in Coquitlam, just right up on that hill there. And Sophie, what a chilling and terrifying encounter for the victim. An 85-year-old man who was walking by himself in this park when he says he was attacked at random. Now, this actually happened three months ago on March 18th on Saturday at 11 a.m. The victim, Jamie Flores, was doing his daily exercise walk around the park like he always does when he says he was approached from behind a man walking his two dogs. He says the suspect dropped the dog's leash and then ran towards him. He tried to fend the dogs off with his cane, but that's when the suspect ran towards him and he says he was punched in the face. Now, the family says their father didn't report it because he didn't want to bother and worry anybody. They said it was only until two months later when he had to go to the hospital for internal bleeding, apparently from the attack, that he then told them what happened. It makes me sad. To see what he went through with this situation of somebody who did something that he is an 85 year old just doing exercise. Uh, it just, it changed his life. It changed your life abruptly. And it just makes me so sad about this situation. 
Now, Sophie, as you heard there, the family extremely emotional about this. Uh, RCMP are asking uh, witnesses to come forward. The suspect is described as a man about five foot five with uh, a strong build. And he's uh, his two dogs were small and medium sized. One was a white dog and one was a brown cinnamon color. Now, the family really hoping somebody with information knows this person or has any information to come forward. Uh, they're just really hoping for some answers for their father today. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, Krista. Krista Dow reporting in Coquitlam. Vancouver police are offering a $100,000 reward for a fugitive who's been on the run for eight months. Officers say 36-year-old Cody Timothy Casey was on house arrest in April of 2022 when he disappeared after cutting off his ankle bracelet. He was charged with offenses relating to fentanyl production and trafficking, as well as firearms offenses. The VPD has now partnered with the BOLO program and Metro Vancouver Crime Stoppers in an effort to generate tips on Casey's whereabouts. As the police, we are not looking for your name or for you to testify. We have all the evidence that we need. We are only seeking information that leads to Mr. Casey being located and arrested. It's believed Casey has left Canada, but that there are people in Metro Vancouver who know where he is. Casey's described as six feet tall, about 200 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information is asked to call VPD or Crime Stoppers. A new health care clinic is opened in Vancouver with the goal of helping people who've fallen through the cracks in the existing system. It's called Kaya, or Come As You Are, and it's aimed at providing wraparound care to trans and non-binary folks, women and people of colour. Catherine Urquhart reports. Inside Kaya Health Centre at Vancouver City Square Mall, there are freshly painted rooms and all the latest equipment. But more importantly, there's a new approach to healthcare, a type of one-stop shop for women, along with those who are trans and non-binary. In healthcare, men and women are different. They present differently. Um, women respond to medications differently. A lot of the research in medicine is done on men. Newly opened, the multidisciplinary clinic offers the services of doctors, physiotherapists, massage therapists, dietitians, and counselors. But shouldn't our healthcare system provide this? The people who are in those circumstances, you just have to read health outcomes and see that they face very significant, in some cases, unique challenges. And so it's not surprising that we want to specialize care in those areas. According to the 2021 census by the Canadian government, approximately one in 300 people in this country aged 15 or older are transgender or non-binary. Actually, as a society as a whole, and as an economy as a whole, um, we actually really pay a price here for not meeting women's health needs. At Kaya, they're also trying to make life simpler. It's really exhausting for patients to have to go from walk-in clinic to physiotherapist to massage to counseling. It's very taxing, it's exhausting, and a lot of people fall through the cracks. A new approach to health care, made in BC. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, stop me if you think that you've heard this one before. An orca and a deer go swimming. These whales are very curious, but they're also very intelligent. An unusual sighting near the Canada-U.S. border and why the orca didn't seem interested in making the deer into a snack. Plus... It's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb. 
the strongest voice against Saudi-funded Live Golf. Rory McIlroy today shares his thoughts on the surprise murder. All right, Christy is back with a look at our forecast. Uh, I think you said we were going to peak with this mini heat wave yesterday and today, and now yep. it's in the interior and other parts. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's problematic. <laughs> And we've got more heat and, and dry weather on the way. Yeah, so you're exactly right. So tomorrow temperatures across the lower mainland are going to come down. You'll see a more significant change on Friday. This was the scene out there today, uh, this morning with all that smoke. I am expecting hazy conditions again tomorrow with hopefully a bit of an improvement on Friday. Oh, I wanted to show you this. We had nine records broken today and the hotspot across Canada was lit at 36.9 degrees. Uh, Pitt Meadows hitting 32, Seashell 29.3 and West Vancouver uh, 28. Six. So some substantial numbers for June when you think about it. Now there's the drop that I was mentioning for Friday. That comes with a chance of rainfall for Metro Vancouver, not for Vancouver Island. We are expecting it to remain dry across Vancouver Island. So be really diligent because it's an extreme fire danger rating across Vancouver Island right now and Metro Vancouver, but hopefully the rain will help it a bit. But beyond that, we're right back to into dry weather, not a surge in heat, but nonetheless well above seasonal values. And that's the case for those of you in the interior. Although you'll see a little bit of a dip Friday, Saturday, as some rainfall shifts in, we're back to dry weather once again. So here's a look at the areas that will be impacted by that rainfall. It'll be particularly the southeastern corner of the province. But as you can see, towards Vancouver Island, nothing at all. We're on the outer edge of it. And there's the forest fire danger rating and why we're so concerned. So be really diligent over the next little while. Campfire ban goes in place tomorrow at noon for most of the province, except for the southeastern corner of the province. By the way, the two fires of note across the south coast right now were both human cause. So yes, Sophie was right. One more day of big heat on the way for the interior. It temperatures will come down for you on Friday and for our region tomorrow won't be as hot as what we saw today. Still getting up there and certainly well above seasonal. Cooler though on Friday and we're back to warm dry conditions so it's just really one day of cooler uh, showery weather before we're right back into it again. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Richmond. That's a great shot. Monish sending mm -hmm. us that from the Richmond area as a plane took off. So nice to for the passengers on that plane. All right, thanks, Christy. Mm -hmm. Well, a one in a million wildlife encounter was captured on camera last weekend near one of the Gulf Islands. Photographer Sam Murphy was with a whale watching group on Sunday when she snapped these images of an orca and a deer swimming each other just off the coast of Sydney Island. Despite the orca's fearsome reputation, experts say it would not have been interested in snacking on the deer. This is not a uh, typical food item for these big killer whales. They really like marine mammals. They like animals that have lots of blubber on them. Uh, there is one report from 1993 of orcas actually attacking a moose up in Alaska. Uh, but other than that, uh, really, they, they don't stay... Um, they don't tend to hunt any terrestrial mammals like this. So I think that it was just a really unique encounter to see what they would do. And the answer was really nothing. The whale didn't seem to be too interested in the deer. Experts have been able to identify the orca in the pictures as Cooper, a male Biggs orca who was born in 1992, which was my high school grad year. But why was the deer swimming in the ocean to get to the other side? Oh, that's true. I've never thought about that. They swim between islands, producer Marsha Gabriel says. Really? Blubber is a funny word. It is a funny word. <laughs>
There's a book? Oh, yes, it's Judy Bloom, right? Yes, there is a... You, it's, There's like this weird conversation going on where we can hear somebody in our ear, but you have no idea what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> now she wants us to keep going. Yeah. Okay. A lot of uh, legends coming up on sports. Um, Amanda Nunez is in town. UFC legend. She's going to fight this Saturday. We'll hear from her. Lionel Messi is going to play in Major League Soccer. How about that? And we'll also hear from Rory McIlroy about all the golf stuff. And it's trophy night at BC Place Stadium. And uh, Whitecaps are up against Montreal. All right. Thanks, Squire. Also coming up. more diagnosis of skin cancer than all the other cancers combined. Save your skin. A North Vancouver woman's mission to raise awareness about skin cancer prevention how it's spreading across Canada. Big night at BC Place. Yes, there will be a trophy handed out tonight uh, to somebody because Vancouver's looking to repeat as the Canadian soccer champions will take on Montreal last time. They played Montreal at BC Place. The Whitecaps won 5-0, but since then, Montreal has gotten better. Now, uh, the Caps have to start three Canadians in this game. One of them would have been Ali Ahmed had he not suffered a concussion in the Canadian semi-final, but he is back at practice now. What he's allowed to do now is to work with no position. So he can move a little bit with the ball, he can run, he can sustain every day and higher load and a higher intensity to see if there's no setback. And in case there's no setback, I think the process to have him back on the field, uh, it's going to be relatively fast. It is the best spring ever for Miami. They're in the finals in the NBA. They're in the finals in the NHL. And Lionel Messi is now wanting to sign with Miami of Major League Soccer, turning down bigger money from a Saudi-based team and returning to Barcelona. He's 35. The hope for MLS is he brings fans in the way David Beckham did so long ago. Actually, Beckham is one of the owners of Miami. They also hope he'll sell more Apple TV MLS subscriptions. He uh, can't start playing until July, and the Whitecaps are not playing Miami this season, which is too bad. Uh, professional golf's peace deal yesterday is not so much a merger of PGA and the rival Live Golf Tour as it is the PGA, the European Tour, and the Saudi Private Investment Fund, which was the money behind Live Golf, getting together. Live will likely not live much longer once all the details are worked out, and maybe that's why PGA superstar Rory McIlroy wasn't as upset at the news yesterday as many thought he would be. I still hate Live. Like, I hate Live. Like, I, I hope it goes away, and I fully expect that it does. Um, and I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from Live. Whether you like it or not, the PIF are going to keep spending money in golf. At least the PJ Tour now controls how that money is spent. You know, so I'd, you know, if you're thinking about some, you know, one of the biggest sovereign wealth funds in the world, would you rather have them as a partner or, the, or an enemy? Um, at the end of the day, money talks, and you'd rather have them as a partner. One of the greats of UFC is in town for a championship fight Saturday at Rogers. Uh, Brazilian Amanda Nunez is putting her bantamweight belt on the line against Irene Aldana. Some wonder if this could be Nunez's last fight, or at least one of the last ones. She's getting close to the end of her career. It's her first fight in 11 months. She's 35. She has a young family, but she's also the featherweight champ as well. And she's only lost once in the last nine years.
When Amanda Nunez walks into the octagon in Vancouver for UFC 289 on Saturday, the Lioness will continue to cement her place in mixed martial arts history as one of the best ever to throw down. Nunez, the top pound-for-pound -pound female fighter in the world, as she currently holds the featherweight and bantamweight championship belts. And that strike you see is well-earned. Nunez sporting a 22-5 fight record. I have everything that I need, and I, I work hard for my belts and everything, but I always felt that I was missing something, you know. My heart always was empty, and I always try to find what is the love that I need, you know. I have I dream with my belts, I have my belts, what I need. What Nunez needed was fulfillment of the non-octagon kind. Amanda and her wife Nina are proud parents of two-year-old daughter Reagan with another sibling on the way. Now being one of the UFC's greatest champions is one thing, but her time as a mother, a partner, and creating a loving family is Amanda's crowning achievement in life. Do you feel this is your perfect life that you're living right now? It couldn't get any better? Yeah, definitely. Actually, I just will have to carry that, you know, on. And, and, and if you have anything else out there I can do, I feel like the life is going to show me, you know, like always. Everything that's happened in my career, I, I, I didn't know is going to happen, you know. The only thing that I know, I'm going to get the belts, you know, the two belts. But anything else, all the records that I break here is like, what is the life show me, you know. And, and I was following and get everything done. But yeah, I carry on like that right now. And I have everything that I needed. She has been here for a long, long time. She has a lot of experience. She has nothing more to prove, I think. And... And yeah, I have nothing but respect for her. Jay Janower, Global Sports. And wrestling legend, the Iron Sheik, dies today at the age of 80. A lot of people grew up watching him be one of the bad guys in what was then the WWF and is now the WWE. His real name, Hossein Vasiri. He was once an assistant coach for the U.S. Olympic wrestling team in 1972. His pro career in wrestling began in 73. And he's giving Hulk Hogan the camel clutch right I there. It. Yep. I remember it well. There you go. Okay. That's it. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Up next, how a North Vancouver woman turned a serious health scare into a cross-Canada campaign. Kamal Karamali standing by now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Kamal? Sophie, reaction tonight from doctors after the province promises an expansion to Surrey Memorial Hospital. And the feeling is guarded optimism. This after physicians had gone public with what they called a crisis at the hospital, long wait times, staffing shortages and concerns of facing backlash from Fraser Health if they warned patients of substandard conditions that would affect their level of treatment. We'll hear from physicians on why this announcement today may be the change they need and why there's still some skepticism in trusting the health minister. That and more on Global News at 11. All right, thanks, Kamil. Well, with skin cancer rates on the rise, a free sunscreen project started by a melanoma survivor from the Lower Mainland is quickly spreading to communities across the country. Global's Shelley Steves has more. Come on over. 
This daycare owner is encouraging her little ones to get their hands a little gooey, so they get into the habit of protecting their skin early in life. And the educators will step in to help with it, just to make sure we get everything covered. Um, but having them apply it on their own is great, just so that they're learning at an early age that it's really important to wear sunscreen to protect our skin. And thanks to these bright yellow dispensers, that's getting easier to do in communities right across the country. The Save Your Skin Foundation has expanded a pilot project, handing out free sunscreen and dispensers to be placed in towns and cities across Canada. This one is located in Grand Bay, Westfield, New Brunswick. Anytime we can remove barriers to people using sunscreen and hopefully preventing skin cancer, that's a very good thing. Acting like a hand sanitizer dispenser, the bright yellow units are easily spotted dispensing sunscreen free of chemical filters, common allergens and toxic ingredients to be used by anyone who needs it. The pilot project is expected to expand into at least 60 communities across Canada this summer and is being offered for free to municipalities wishing to take part. We need to do this everywhere. Education and awareness prevention, all of that is key to skin cancer, right? Bernard founded the Save Your Skin Foundation in 2006 after she was diagnosed with stage four metatastic melanoma. We know that skin cancer is on the rise. We know there's more diagnosis of skin cancer than all the other cancers combined. So seeing these little hands move in for a shot of sun protection is like a ray of hope. Shelley Steves, Global News, Grand Bay Westfield, New Brunswick. Oh, how I wish I'd started at that age on my oh, face. I know, me too. <laughs> All right, Do you well, remember when people used to put zinc on their noses? Yeah, yeah. what was that all about? Like fluorescent colors and <laughs> lifeguards, right? Yeah. That was cool. All right, quick that word on the weather. Okay, so we are expecting a drop in temperature Friday. Showers expected, but we're right back to dry conditions over the weekend. All right, thanks for joining us all. Have a good night.